Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune in to the message for today. what's getting ready to happen for the rest of the service just by saying this. Um, if what's going to happen for the rest of the service does not pull worship out of your heart, you are not saved. Let me just kind of, okay, it's just right there. We are today, um, across all of our locations, uh, we are celebrating with more than 400 people who have made a decision to follow Jesus in baptism. And um, yeah, man, so um, that's going to happen here in a minute, which means I got to get right to it. So uh, man, let me, let me just kind of get right to it. Um, now, um, I'm gonna, I started with some exciting news. Let me, let me downshift and really disappoint you, okay? Uh, because we are in week three of a series that we're just calling Controversial Jesus. And the title of today's message is Jesus and Hell. Now, here's what I know. There's a lot of people who like, maybe you're being baptized today and you invited all your friends in to, uh, you know, come see baptism weekend or something like that. And uh, you were like, dude, this is gonna be great. You're gonna hear an encouraging, positive message. This is gonna be really great. And right now, here's how you're feeling. Um, you're feeling a lot like this church sign uh, that I came across this week. You're feeling, uh, what is hell like? Come here, our preacher. That's what you're, you're, you're feeling. And you're like, I can't, you're like, I can't believe it. This week of all weeks, Josh, you're gonna teach on Jesus and the hell. you have to be kidding me. Now, um, here's what I'm gonna say. Um, I think you're gonna feel a lot different in a couple minutes. So give me, I'm, I'm asking you to give me a few minutes. I think you're gonna feel a lot different. But um, here's what I would also say. I think the reason some of you feel that way is because you might've had experiences like I had um, uh, growing up in church. And here's, here's what I mean. Um, if you grew up in church, like especially a while ago, this doesn't happen as much now. And I'm, I'm actually gonna talk about that in a second. A while ago, um, like, you may have experienced, like I had a, uh, like a substitute camp counselor one time who it just seemed like this lady, she loved hell, loved talking about it. It seemed like her favorite thing in the whole world. You don't want to scare the hell out of all of us is what she wanted to do. And, it's, and, and you know, people who are like that, it's like they always, um, they turn hell into two syllables. So she talked about hail. We're going to talk about hail, you know, hail. And Hell is hot and eternity's long and fire and brimstone and ah, you know. And, uh, you know, she talked about hell like she was born and raised there, honestly. And, and, and you know, and then she, I remember like I was like six years old. I remember asking questions like, you want to go to heaven when you die, don't you? And I'm like, not if you're going to be there. You know, it's like that kind of, you know, and you felt like that growing up. Now, let me just say this. I'm not going to give you fire and brimstone today, but I am going to give you the truth. And here's my assumption. My assumption 
is that you want, even if you're not a Christian, my assumption is that you want, and actually you wouldn't respect a pastor who like edited out Jesus so that he could be more popular or my church could get bigger. And so what I'm going to do is just speak to you in a really straightforward way. C.S. Lewis said it like this. C.S. Lewis said one time, there is no doctrine in Christianity that I would more willingly remove than the doctrine of hell if it lay within my power. But it is not within my power not to teach on what Jesus said about hell because our commitment to you at Lake Point is that we are going to teach the whole Bible. All of it. We're always going to do that. And so like, we just believe that. We believe that it takes the whole Bible to make a whole Christian, okay? So we're just gonna get right at it. Now, I do wanna say this. Like, I just need to acknowledge this. So like, if if maybe 30, 40 years ago, people talked about hell a lot, lots of fire and brimstone. Can I be really honest? Now, I feel like the pendulum has maybe swung the other way. And a lot of churches, especially like larger churches and, and you know, some really popular Bible teachers, it, it kind of sometimes feel like they don't, don't talk about hell at all. And, and can I be honest? I think this actually like plays exactly into Satan's hands. Think about this. If you were Satan and you were trying to develop a strategy, what I would, I'll just tell you, what I would do is if I could convince the entire world that either hell didn't exist or number two, that nobody goes there. Well, then, then two things would happen. One, lost people would have no urgency to give their lives to Jesus. But then number two, Christians, people who follow Jesus, would have no urgency to ever share their faith with the people around them. So here's what I think. Honestly, this is a very controversial deal. I'm actually going to address some more of the controversy on social media later this week, stuff I couldn't fit in the sermon. But I do want to say this. I feel like a lot of the controversy comes, comes from misunderstanding. It's because this doctrine's misunderstood. So what I want to do is bring clarity to the controversy, and I think the clarity is actually going to help the controversy. Now, here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to take four questions and full disclosure. Got these four questions and some of this stuff from a good friend of mine, a pastor named Ashley Wooldridge. These four questions, just straightforward questions about hell, I think they help us. So let me just get right to it. And let's start here. Question number one is this a really obvious question. You may be going like, man, why did God even create hell? Now, here's what's interesting. Jesus specifically answered this question, and a lot of people have, you've read the, you've read the passage, but you just read right past it, and you, you didn't realize, oh wait, Jesus just told us why God created hell. Now watch what he said. This is Matthew 25. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. So you need to know this. There is coming a day when Jesus, who is the Lord of the universe, everyone will be gathered in front of his throne and he will, like like the Apostles' Creed says, he will judge the living and the dead. And so every now and then, like, you may hear, like, it's, it's like a super trendy little, like, you know, social media uh, statement or that kind of, people say, all roads lead to God. All roads lead to God. That's true. Christians agree with that. That's true. All roads do lead to God. They lead to the judgment seat of God. And everyone will stand before him someday. And Jesus is talking about that day. Now watch this. I'm going to have you say the first yellow word out loud because it's the most important word in the sermon. And you're going to see a theme start to develop. So, so help me out. And he will separate. That's really good. That's really important. The people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He's going to put the sheep because he's a shepherd on his right. 
and then he's going to put the goats on his left is what it says. Now watch what he says. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. Now watch this. He says the kingdom right here, the kingdom. Now he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Over and over, Jesus does this. He says, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, an eternal kingdom, my kingdom. He's talking about heaven, eternity with God. And watch who heaven was prepared for. He says, no, go go back. I got to read it in the verse first. Here we go. He says, the kingdom prepared for you. He He said, that's who it is. The kingdom was prepared for you since the creation of the world. So critical point for you to fix in your head. Who was heaven created for? Here's who it's created for. Now you can do it. Heaven was prepared for you. God prepared heaven for you. That's what you were created for. So in the beginning, God took the dust of the earth. He created mankind, breathed the ruach, the breath of life into man. And you were created in the image of God for the presence of God. And that's what God wants for you. He made heaven for you. That's what he wants. So then you go, well, well then what, what was hell created for? What else? Well, Jesus answers that. He says this, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire. Look at this prepared for the devil and his angels. So again, I just want to be super clear in the sermon. So who was hell created for? Here it is. God, uh, hell was created for Satan and his demons. Satan and his demons. Now, I want to point something out and just do a little quick teaching here. Every now and then people will say this, and and it's a good statement. I'm, I'm not against the statement. They'll say this. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That's true. It's true, but incomplete. Here's what's also true. So God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Here's what's also true. Satan hates you and has a horrific plan for your death. That, watch this, God has a plan to bless you. Satan has a plan to curse you. And ultimately you get to decide which plan you're on. And one plan leads to eternity with God in heaven. Another plan leads to an eternity separated from God in hell. Now you may be going, Josh, when you're like, you're crazy. When have I ever been on Satan's plan. Like, well, when am I, when am I doing that? Well, that, that's what we're always doing when we disobey the voice of God. Whenever God has said one thing and we do another thing, like that, everything else, every other option was birthed out of the father of all lies, Satan, and they're all his. So, when, so anytime we disobey the voice of God and do something else, we're actually following a plan devised by Satan. Now, here's the question. What does it, that's called sin. What does sin do to us? What does sin do to us? Now, you're gonna start to see a theological theme develop in this sermon. Here's what sin does. I just wanna point it, to, it out to you in Isaiah. It says, but your iniquities, that's another word for sin, have, there's that word, separated you. They've separated you from God. Now, watch this. Here's the key concept. Sin separates. Sin separates Sin separates. Now, that leads me to question number two. Okay, here's question number two. All right, well, well then what is hell? Okay, well, well, what is it? All right, now, right here, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna read you a lot of Bible and we need to answer this question, what is hell? Not according to our feelings, not according to like what does or doesn't sound good or feel right or offend us or what will work. We just need to go, man, what does the Bible say? Okay, now, so let me start here in level set. Here's what a lot of people think who don't read the Bible 
you know, frequently. Is they think, okay, in the Old Testament, God was like a big time bummer. Like he was angry all the time. That's the angry God of the Old Testament. And he's smiting people and slaughtering nations and fire from heaven. He's always mad at everybody. But then Jesus showed up. And Jesus was completely different. You know, Jesus, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. And he was all, you know, snowflakes and rainbows and puppy's breath. And, you know, everybody just love and affirm everybody, accept everything. Never tell anybody anything was wrong or hurt their feelings. Everybody gets everything they want all the time. He was kind of like the original Bernie Sanders voter. And Jesus came and he was like, man, let me just do this. And, and, you know, but, but here, let me give you reality. Okay, here's reality. Reality is Jesus actually talked about hell more than anyone else in the Bible. Jesus talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. 33 times in Jesus' ministry, he taught on the reality of hell. That averages out to once a month during Jesus' teaching ministry. So Jesus and the Bible they describe hell in a lot of different ways. Now I'm gonna read, I'm gonna I'm I'm give you examples. And again, we need to answer the question, what's hell like according to the Bible, not like what, are, what do our feelings say? So here's what the Bible says. Matthew 25 says it's a place of eternal fire. Matthew 13 describes it as a blazing furnace. Matthew 25 again says, describes it as eternal punishment. Luke 8 says it's, a, it's an abyss or a, a bottomless pit. It's, the Bible says it's a place where worms and moth eat away, a place of darkness, Matthew 8. Revelation 20 says it's a place where there's torment, torment that doesn't end. Luke 18 describes it as a place of weeping. Matthew 25 describes it as a place of, a, of gnashing of teeth. That's like a biblical metaphor for anger. Like, ah, oh, I am so mad. God, how dare you? But most frequently, the most frequent analogy Jesus uses for hell is, is the word Gehenna. And it actually refers to a valley. He's referring to the Valley of Hinnom. That's an actual valley right outside of Jerusalem. I've been there. Valley of Hinnom. Now, here's why Jesus so frequently uses this analogy. Because when pagan nations came and they, uh, they conquered Jerusalem, they set up in the Valley of Hinnom these places for demonic fall demonic worship of false gods and their demonic worship of false gods was like inter it's really gross it was like intermixed with like living child sacrifice and sexual violence and perversion and all of that got melded into one thing so this was the place that where when parents just didn't want an infant they would slaughter the infant and then just toss it in the valley of Hinnom uh, this was a place where again they practiced living child sacrifice in worship of the demonic false god Moloch. Um, th this was a place where like uh, eventually what happened, they, they erected these things, they were called Asherah poles. I'm not actually not even gonna describe what happened there. It's kind of too perverse for a, a Sunday morning message. And it, again, it was a place where like demonic worship of false gods intermixed with sexual violence. And so because of all this, what, what the Jews did when the people of God retook Jerusalem is they condemned the Valley of Hinnom as a place that was like, nothing holy can ever be there. And so they would take the carcasses of slain animals, toss them in the Valley of Hinnom. Um, they would take trash, toss it there, the bodies of crim dead criminals. Uh, all that stuff was there. And they would keep, in order to keep the, um, the infection and stench down, they would keep fires burning on the trash in the Valley of Hinnom day and night. 
And Jesus said, hell is like that. Now, here's what we know. We do know, and we just need to acknowledge this, we do know a lot of these are metaphors. And the reason we know they're metaphors is because, like, think about this. Some of that stuff said that hell is a place of darkness, but then a lot of it said that it's a place of fire. And if it's a lot of fire, how can it be dark? So, so we know there's some metaphors. Now, some of you are like, whoop, okay, hallelujah, okay, good. Well, that's actually not awesome news because whenever you use a metaphor, the metaphor always points to something bigger and greater than the metaphor. Okay, so, so now, there's, there is one time that we know the Bible was describing hell and it wasn't a metaphor. And it's in 2 Thessalonians. Watch what the Bible says. It just says this. They will be punished with eternal destruction. Now, you're going to see a word that I've told you is a really important word. Here it comes. They will be punished with eternal destruction forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. So if you want to go, hey, Josh, what is hell? Let me answer that question in a very clear way. Here's what hell is. Hell is eternal separation from God. That's what hell is. Now, okay, um, right here, this understanding that hell is eternal separation from God, this actually, let me camp out here. Now, I'm going to get a little more heady for like the next three minutes. If that's not your thing, I'm coming back to you. Just stay with me. This actually helps us with some of the controversy around hell. Because some people, the reason they struggle with the concept of hell is they get this picture that there'll be all these people standing on the outside of heaven and they'll be going, oh, I just wish I could get in there and be with God and be in his presence and, and just, you know, all of God's kingdom and his ways. And, oh, will you please let me in? But God, like gladiator style, is like, bah, get out of here, burn in hell. You know, it's like, but that, that's like not actually the thing. Because think about this. Again, just do some logic with me. Why would people who spend their whole lives on earth trying to avoid God hating God, uh, hating all of God's ways and his, his, his commands, why would they ever want to spend an eternity with God? Actually, for those people, being in heaven would be like a type of hell where they didn't want to be. Now, I'm going to give you two Bible verses. This is the part I wish I had more time to teach on, but I don't. You can go do some homework. I actually have biblical warrant for this. In the book of Revelation, Revelation says what people in hell are doing is they're not going, oh, I just wish I was in heaven. What they're doing is they're cursing God. They're just going, you are, you know, this is, you are so unfair. This, they're just cursing God. And then Jesus' longest teaching on hell is the story of Lazarus the rich man. Now, if you know the story, think about that story. I'm gonna do some logic with me. In that story, the rich man in hell, he asks Lazarus to bring him a cup of water. So he obviously believed you could travel from heaven to hell. But he asks Lazarus to bring him water from heaven. He doesn't ask if he can travel from hell to heaven. Why? Because he was looking at heaven and he was going, I don't want to be there. Don't like God. Don't like his ways. So hell is separation from God. Now, here, here's my example. Again, for some people, heaven will be a kind of hell. Now, my analogy for hell right here is Disney World. <clears throat> now, just track with me. Okay. So my, my little thing about Disney World, <laughs> I got this from somebody else, is, you know, they call Disney World the happiest place on earth, uh, which may be true for some of you until you get in the parking lot, see how much you spent, and then you're not happy anymore. So here, here's our, like, for real, so I've been, I've been in 2021, 
uh, the world started like <laughs> opening back up again. <laughs> and our family, we were like, we have got to take a trip. So Jan and I decided to take the kids on a trip. Oh, by the way, let me just say this. We differentiate between trips and vacations, Jan and I. If the kids go us a trip, if it's just me and Jan, it's a vacation. That's how we do that. Okay? So we were like, we're going to take a trip. Well, here comes a trip, you know. We're going to go to Disney World, okay. So we get there, and I had like five. It was just not my thing, okay. So a lot of adults, I've realized, have not been to Disney World. If you haven't been, let me give you a mental image. It's like standing in line at the DMV. That's all you got to imagine. That's, that's it. So no, except, oh, by the way, Orlando in August is roughly the same temperature as the surface of the sun. So here's what I discovered is that like, I'm hearing like little amens all over the room right now. This is funny. What I discovered is that Disney World is the only place on earth you can carry around screaming children, sweating through your shirt for 14 hours a day in 105 degree temperatures and still gain weight. That's what I discovered. There was one ride. It was like a lot of the rides were like, not my thing. There was one ride that I love this ride. I will give this ride props. I love this ride. I look forward to this ride every single day. Best ride at Disney World. It was the air conditioned bus back to my hotel. <laughs> Best ride in Disney. I was like, oh man, I, I, was, I can't wait. I absolutely cannot wait. Now, here's what I know. And we was like 2021. So it was like, they were still making you do masks. So it's like breathing through a sweaty washcloth and smelling your breath all day for 14 hours with like various employees just being like a little higher, a little higher. You know, it's like all day, every day, you know. Now, <laughs> now I, I do want to say this. Let me just acknowledge this. I don't want to hurt any feelings. I do know that there are a lot of people who you've made really personal memories at Disney World and you love Disney World and I need you to hear me. You're wrong. That's, I just need you to I just need you to hear that. So uh, here's my point, uh, Jim Gaffigan. Now, here's what I, I, need, I need you to hear this. Here's my point is that the place, think about this. The place for, that for a lot of people is paradise because of who they are and the decisions they've made. They love this place. They spend their whole year trying to figure out, how can I get to Disney? How can I get to Disney? They budget so they can go to Disney and they love it. And the place that would be paradise for them is like a mini hell for me. Think about that. Now, that's the dynamic that the Bible's describing when it says hell is separation from God and people who spent their whole lives trying to be separate from God, it makes sense. C.S. Lewis said it like this. He was an Oxford scholar that converted from atheism to Christianity. He said this. He said, in the long run, the answer to all those who object to the doctrine of hell it's, it is itself a question. What are you asking God to do? To leave them alone? Alas, I'm afraid that is what he does. In the end, there are only two kinds of people. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. You wanted separation from me forever? You get it. Now, some of you right now, you're going, yes! So man, of like, the presence of God is not my thing, and I actually hate all God's commands. Like, so I get to just do whatever I want for eternity? This is gonna be awesome! No, it will be awful. Because think about this. God is the source of everything good in the world. Every, he's the source of all love, beauty, truth, peace, joy, all of it. Can you, like every little thing, everyone, even people who don't know Jesus, love Jesus, they experience the radiance of God's goodness that he put in creation. Common grace, everybody gets to experience. So, so think about this. Um, 
even Max Lucado says it like this. He says, Adolf Hitler witnessed the wonder of the Alps. Saddam Hussein enjoyed the blushing sunrise of the desert. The dictator, the child molester, the serial rapist, the drug peddler, all enjoy the common grace of God's goodness. They hear children laugh. They smell dinner cooking. They tap their toes to the rhythm of a good song. But in hell, all of those things that are radiances of God's goodness on earth are gone forever. And no one ever experiences the tiniest glimpse of the source of love, goodness, beauty, truth, and peace ever again. Now, some of you right now, you're like, well, man, I'm in a really dark place, and that's what my life is like right now. No, it isn't. It isn't. Because you can still see a sunset. You can still taste a good meal. Listen, there's still hope for you. Can I say something to you? If you're still breathing, there's still hope. If you're still breathing, there's still hope. Now, listen. In in hell, in hell, There is no hope to ever again experience any of those things. All of it cut off, separated from God forever, which leads to question number three. This is the big question for a lot of you guys is this. Well, then if it's like that, how could a loving God send people there? Now, I'm going to answer this question. And the answer to this question is like the most critical part of this sermon. So I'm going to answer this question. But before I do it, I need to like put on my pastor hat And I need you to open your heart and receive some things that are like not as easy to receive. In our culture, and I do just want to say this, this is something I don't don't have more time to teach on. The only people in the world that really object and struggle with the concept of hell, it's primarily white people in the West. So it's like people in Western Europe and North America. Those are the only people. And can I tell you why? Here's why. Because in our culture, nobody thinks they're a sinner anymore. Nobody thinks they're a sinner anymore. Everything everywhere is somebody else's fault. From the time you're born, the message you get is, you're a rainbow, you're a snowflake, you're a puppy's breath, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. And so every time something goes wrong, it's, it's it's, it's, it's a victim culture. We live in a victim culture where everything bad is always somebody else's fault. It's your fault. It was my parents' fault. It's the government's fault. It's the system's fault. And so people walk around doing this. They go, man, you're the villain and I'm the victim. You're the one that did wrong and I'm the one that's been been wronged. But here's what the Bible says. It says, no, man, no. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us, that we we are not primarily victims. We are primarily villains who have sinned against an eternal and perfect God. That we are not simply people who have been wronged, although we have. We are primarily people who have committed wrongs, cosmic treason against the Lord of this universe. In fact, I just want to point this out. I've been a pastor for 17 years. I have been asked that question, how could a loving God send people to hell, countless times. Countless times. Do you know what question no one has ever asked me? Nobody has ever asked me this question. Man, I just don't understand how a holy God could let somebody like me into heaven. Nobody has ever asked me that question. So we must remember this, that we are sinners who have broken the laws of an eternal God. Now, that being said, let me answer this question. I got good news for you, okay? How could a loving God send people to hell? Here's the answer. He doesn't. 
He doesn't. Now, some of you are like, woohoo! Yes! So nobody goes to hell. Everybody goes to heaven. This is awesome! No. Real people, people within the hearing of my voice this weekend, will end up in hell. But listen to me. Listen. Critical point for this sermon. Listen. Our choice to separate ourselves from God is what sends us to hell, not God wanting you to be in hell. That is critical. Our choice to separate ourselves from God is what sends us to hell, not God wanting you to be in hell. Do you understand that we have a God who has done everything in his power to keep you from God? He put on human flesh that had nerve endings that could feel pain, lungs that could stop beating or breathing, a heart that could stop beating so that he could come here and be crucified, not just for you, but instead of you to keep you from going to hell. God has done everything in his power to keep you from ever having to go to hell. You may be like, are you sure, Josh? Like, it kind of seems like, ah, kind of some cognitive dissonance. Let's just listen to what the Bible says. Check this out in 2 Peter. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. I'm gonna explain that, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. Why? He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. So it's going, some people ask the question like, man, if Jesus is returning to establish his kingdom, make everything new, wipe every tear from every eye, why doesn't he just do it right now? What's he waiting on? Here's the answer. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you if you don't know him. He's waiting for you because he doesn't want, he, he doesn't want eternity without you. He's given more time. He's like, man, if I wait just a little longer, maybe they'll choose to follow me and then I get eternity with them. He's waiting on you, man. God's not a sadist. He doesn't like just delight in this idea of, of you know, justly punishing sin. In fact, look what the Bible says. Look, look at this, Ezekiel 18. God says, do you think that I like to see wicked people die, says the sovereign Lord? Of course not. Of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. This is what God wants. There's this verse in the Old Testament where, um, I love this verse. It says that God, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Now, if you think of God as an angry judge, then you may view God doing this. Man, all day long, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. That he's angry and disgusted with you, that he's just frustrated, but that's not it. He's not an angry judge, he's a loving savior. He's doing this, he's going all day long, man. All day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Come home, come home. The cross proved two things forever and all time. It proved that man hated God enough to kill him, and it proved that God loved man enough to die for him. And Jesus, that's right, man. And Jesus, listen, when Jesus went to the cross, I love how Dave Stone, one of our teaching pastors, says it. He says, Jesus hangs on a cross at the entrance to hell and he says to every person on their way in, to get in there, you gotta go over my dead body. Jesus has done this, everything within his power to keep you from going to hell, which leads me to question number four. Check this out. Here's what really matters. Well, what does the existence of hell mean for me? If all that's true, then what? Now, I wanna, I wanna talk to two groups of people right here, okay? One, I need to talk to you if you are a follower of Jesus, and I'll, cause I'll be really honest, like this sermon, man, like I do not preach a sermon like this 
with joy in my heart, just like, this is not happy. And listen, this has been a week of like tremendous conviction for me because I'll be really honest. Can I just be really transparent? I don't think about hell very often because I'm not going there. And when I look out at people who don't know God yet, it's like, I want heaven for them, but I don't think often about the reality of hell. Um, let me, so I want to press in here. In the 1800s, there was a guy named Charles Peace, and he had committed a crime that uh, was served with capital punishment. And in the 1800s in England, he was in England, uh, a guy named Leonard Renneville, he records this story. In England, he was sentenced to death by hanging. And if you, you did that, then a chaplain came to you from the Church of England. They would come with a little like Book of Common Prayer, you know, a little, little catechism. They would come into your cell, open it, and they would read you what's called your last rites. So this chaplain comes and he's sitting down and he's reading this, this last rites with Charles Peace. And he's done this so many times. It's just like his thing that he does. So he's going through the motions and he's reading it, you know, hey... Um, Apostles' Creed, you know, from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. And okay, hey, you're getting ready to face eternity and you're going to stand before God. And if you uh, follow Jesus, give your life to him, then heaven, and then, then hell awaits you, and blah, blah, blah. And in the middle, he was just mumbling it. And in the middle of it, this guy, Charles Peace, he grabs the chaplain and he shakes him. And he said, Do you believe what you're saying to me? And the chaplain said, Well, yeah, yes, I do. And Charles Peace said this. He said, sir, if I believed what you and the church of God say that you believe, even if England were covered with broken glass from coast to coast, I would walk over it if need be on hands and knees, and I would think it worthwhile just to save one soul from an eternal hell like that. And listen, we don't have to walk across glass we just have to walk across a room or a street or a yard. And so like, hey, Lake Point family, let's have urgency that comes with the fact that heaven and hell are real. Let's do that. Now, I also wanna talk to you if you don't follow Jesus yet. And right now, like as you're hearing about the love of God for you, and the reality of eternity for you, there's like this thing that's like welling up inside of you. And you're like, well, I don't want that. I got really good news. You do not ever have to experience hell, ever. In fact, like there was this one time where um, you may be going right now, like, well, what do I got to do? Okay. Well, there was this one time in Acts 2 where this guy preached a sermon like really similar to the one that I just preached about the reality of this thing. And people ask the question you're asking. In fact, just look at it, in what's in yellow. They said, brothers, what do we got to do? You know, what do I got to do? And Peter, he replied, it was really simple. He just said this. He said, hey, it's easy. Repent and be baptized. Repent, so like, stop chasing after sin. Start following Jesus and loving Jesus and be baptized. And he said, and in the, uh, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the, and he said, for the forgiveness of your sins. He's like, man, I, I, you do that. And you'll never experience one second. You're going to go to the heaven that God prepared for you for eternity with him. And listen, we are getting ready to celebrate with 400 people at our, at our church who have made that decision. And they know exactly what their eternity is going to be like.
That's what's going to happen like right now. Now listen, what I need is, can you do this? Um, I want to keep talking to you at all of our campuses. Would y'all stand with me right now? And um, if you are being baptized in this service, I want you to at all of our locations, you go ahead and start moving where you need to go. But everybody else, y'all don't look at them, look at me. Don't look at them, look at me. I'm talking to you right now, okay? Listen, stay with me. If you're here and you're like, I, I need certainty about my eternity and I need to cross the line of faith, listen, you can have it today. Like, don't even, don't even leave this service. You can have it today, okay? So here, here's what I want. You today can come, I'm gonna give you a chance, can come, pray with somebody and be baptized today on the spot, exactly like they were in Acts chapter two in the verse I just read. Now you may be going, Josh, yeah, man, but like I'm, I'm here on my Sunday best and I don't got any clothes. We have clothes for you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, man, but, yeah, but I don't have a towel. We have a towel for you. Okay, you got clothes and a towel, but like what about my underwear? We have underwear for you. Oh, yeah, but you don't have my size. I'm a weird size. We have your size. Oh, yeah, but, but my, you know, my family's not going to want to wait on me for all this. Listen to me, man. If you are making a decision to follow Jesus in eternity, your family's going to wait for you. Your family's going to wait for you. So, man, if you are realizing right now that you need to make a decision that will change your eternity, do not wait. Here's what you need to do if you, if you need to cross the line of faith and be baptized today. If you're at any of our other campuses besides Rockwall, you need to head to the back of the auditorium right now and there's pastors waiting for you. If you are in the room right here at Rockwall, you need to head right under one of these crosses on either side. There are people under there. They're waiting for you. They'll pray with you. They'll get you uh, all the stuff and we'll baptize you today, today. So as soon as we start singing, I want you to start moving. Now listen, hey, Lake Point family, for all of us, man, the Bible says there is more rejoicing in heaven when a sinner repents than when 99 righteous persons keep doing their thing. We're gonna make it on earth as it is in heaven right now is what we're gonna do. And so, hey, here, listen, the first thing these people should hear when they come out of the water are the shouts of celebration of their church family. Amen? Amen, man. So let's do it. Let's worship right now and let's celebrate. Just to believe 
Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. slash